0: Welcome to episode 6 of Bedtime Stories for Grownups, a podcast that is meant to be your guide into dreamland. Hopefully, you'll never hear the end of it. Once upon a time, if you were lucky, someone told you bedtime stories. Maybe someone read you books, or the same favorite book over and over. Or maybe someone made up your bedtime stories, telling you nonsensical things until you closed your eyes and drifted into sleep. These bedtime stories Are the whimsical made-up kind, little snippets from dreamland to guide you there. There is no plot to follow, no sense to make of anything, just a sequence of images from beyond the consciousness of day to help you drift, let go, and fall blissfully into sleep. We went to a fair. We could see a giant waterslide in the background. We met a young woman there who asked us if we would like to go and see the Korean teeth reader. He can read messages from your ancestors through your teeth. We got in a wagon and were being towed behind a bus full of supplicants. Outside the temple there were crowds of seriously damaged people. Some limped, some crawled, and some were being pushed in shopping carts because they didn't have any limbs at all. The Korean teeth reader was dressed like a doctor in a white lab coat. He had many potions and powders, and he was making something for us that included glucosamine sulfate we were starting to have second thoughts. Next thing you know, we were all babies with bottles of milk and we couldn't swallow. We were all tiny babies with large tongues and we couldn't swallow. Even the bus driver. We never did get to have our teeth read so that we could hear the story of our ancestors and discover our purpose in life. The purpose in life destiny It comes from the ancestors. At the far end of the field, people were taking turns playing croquet. Someone came to visit from another dream in which all of the characters were cats. That was the dream that she had signed up for. A cow with a cat head came barreling past us. It must have escaped from her dream. It does look very strange. A cow with a cat's head. We come upon a quarry filled with water. We're thinking about going for a swim. In fact, that would be really nice. But before we go in, we notice that there is a house floating in that quarry. And there is a psychiatrist in his office just beside the quarry. He is forbidding people from going in while the house is floating around in there. But isn't he the guy who wrote the book on how important play and fun is for children and childhood? Things like swimming in quarries. Yes. But not when there is danger to it. Like a floating house. And it isn't just a floating house. There's some sort of industry involved. When we look back, the water is gone and the house has settled. It has become just another construction project. these portraits. They were all painted by this woman who has no fingers, only thumbs. It is really impressive, very lifelike portraiture. I cannot imagine how she did it. In the Arctic, Where are we exactly? We are in the Arctic. Yes, but where? What is the nearest major city or landmark? No one seems to know. Well, we are not far from this lake and that settlement. We are simply here. We are close to the Arctic Ocean anyway. Look how beautiful and clean it is we can see down really deep off the shore. There are a number of museums established here. The museum designs are very modern. No straight lines, all curves and circular walls and stairs. And the colors are bright primary colors. Reds and blues, some greens, mainly reds. Most of the people here are indigenous. They are good people. They leave each other little gifts everywhere. All the time. It is the custom. We have left a gift for one of the elders. It is a small box wrapped in fringed soft light green leather. We want to make sure he noticed it. He did and he makes a little show of seeing it as if for the first time and being surprised for our benefit, even though he really already knew it was there. They have an interesting sense of humor. We like it. We like it up here in the North very much. What are the bees doing? Look at them. They are spinning interconnected webs like spiders and enclosing themselves in cocoons of honey. Are they dying? Are they hibernating? Are they making themselves food for the next generation? Whatever it is, it's very troubling. We are trying to find out how our loved ones fared in the storm. We were at the military headquarters because that was the only way you could communicate these days. Then an elderly man came up asking for directions. He wanted to show us something. He started doing a kind of Tai Chi yoga dance that he said was becoming all the rage. Everyone was doing it all over the planet now, for healing. That gave us some hope. The old man finished his dance and planted a kiss on me before he took his leave. He walked down a transparent hallway like an airport corridor. I discreetly wiped my mouth once he was out of sight. We didn't like looking at the cars in the parking lot all the time, so we turned them into trees and shrubs, gently swaying in the wind. And everyone was very happy about it. It was soothing and so much nicer to look at. Maybe we should start going around turning all the cars and parking lots into trees and shrubs. Everyone would be so much happier. Our friend has a friend who moves his house every year. And when he does, there is an opportunity to pick up the horse table. The horse table is so beautiful. It is a table on wheels made partly of wood and partly of stained glass. There are many different stained glass panels on the horse table. You can pull different ones out at different times. You can wheel the table around. It is really beautiful. Would you marry him for the horse table? What? Once a year, he moves his house, and he needs help. If you get the timing right, he will ask you to marry him. I've never even met him, I say. I ask, what about you? Would you marry him for the horse table? She says she can't. She is promised to someone else. How so? She pulls out a bundle of old cards held together in precise groupings with elastic bands. The cards are very old and come from Eastern Europe. There is something woven into the card groupings that binds her. The pictures seem harmless though. It is mostly about cuddling and eating good food now although the man is much older than her. But still, she covets the horse table, and she was hoping that maybe if I had a claim to it, she could vicariously take pleasure from it through me. We were walking endlessly. It was flat. There was a group of us. We had a task to perform. We had to swab everything. All the toys and surfaces. And take the swabs back to the lab for testing. But we are not doing a very good job. For one thing, we have not marked any swabs for what they were taken from. So what's the point? We are also supposed to be measuring for accuracy and scale, because we are going to be making a movie. Look, they have started to build the set, to recreate the hull and deck of a great ship. We have 30 days to build a wood-framed hull. The neighbor was scattering some sort of poison in the rocks above the river. What is that? It is for the rodents. They live in the rocks. But you can't poison them. Then the poison will get into the water and spread to other species that eat them, even the birds. But she didn't care. She was putting her place on the market and following the realtor's instructions. And then we saw chipmunks and squirrels walking by on their hind legs with invisible bodies. It looked very strange. Just little pairs of hind legs and tails walking by. Was that from eating the poison? There is some sort of festival or celebration happening. The upper echelons of society are celebrating, carnival style. People are decked out in their finest. It reminds us a little of the haves in the Hunger Games world. There are competitions over dogs. Not dog competitions, but one-upmanship with their little dog costumes. Pity the poor dogs. We seem to be involved in some underground activity. Something surreptitious anyway. We are part of the resistance. It involves a lot of meetings in secret places in a canyon. We are going back the way we came, by bicycle. We are doing cool skateboard maneuvers on handrails and around sharp corners. We take one corner just a little too wide, and then we are hovering above the black water of the port. Until we realize we are hovering, and then we plunge in, bike and all. This guy keeps trying to waken the ghost by making sudden large noises in different parts of the house. We say, please stop that. He is a skeptic. We are not. We can see the ghost in our minds. Not directly. But in the corner of the mind's eye, we can see that the ghost is getting quite distressed by the obnoxious loud sounds. But the guy won't ever see the ghost because he is a skeptic. He really needs to stop making the loud noises though. In the coffee shop, the proprietor is rolling out a big new sculpture for display and the sculptor is in attendance. The proprietor introduces the sculptor And tells the gathered crowd that he was convicted of and served time for raping a young girl in London. The sculptor is embarrassed about that and asks the proprietor why she had to say that in her introduction. It is part of the agreement, apparently, part of the conditions of his parole. He is a handsome young English bloke with curly red hair. Still, he is a rapist, apparently. And so we will shun him. We were trying to keep the bull from escaping. But every time the bus stopped, the bull would jump out the window. We whistled and clapped for him to come. Sometimes he came back. Sometimes he didn't. He had the curiosity of a cat. He seemed more like a cat than a big bull. How did he manage to jump out the bus windows anyway? On our way to the Lantern Pavilion, we stumble onto a documentary screening that is just about to start. The tall, handsome filmmaker and his boyfriend are in attendance and they are visibly nervous. We decide to stop and watch. It is sort of autobiographical, but stylized into a musical with special effects. There is a town. The town was broken, but this man arrived and floated up above the town and ran into a very hip Angel Gabriel. Then they got into a big song and dance number and spread the healing to the town below. Next thing you know, the town is miraculously getting all fixed up. This is the animated part that is filmed from above. But there is one small screw that comes loose. And this is filmed in slow motion. It bounces and then drops and then ends up hanging just above a window. This is very clever because this ties the whole thing into the filmmaker's first film, which was fictional. But it started with a loose screw hanging above the window and then dropping that set off a whole series of events. He got a lot of accolades for that one. Now he has tied it into the autobiographical doc, which is really entertaining. The guy is very talented. In this three-dimensional model, these figures represent the sheep therapists. There are at least three in every town. It seems kind of silly to have therapists who are sheep in the story, but that's just the way it is. The sheep therapists belong here. They are just part of the mystery. There were children to prepare for the ceremony. The boy's costume needed some fine tuning. It could be done while he was wearing it. He was a very sweet boy, quiet, maybe a little shy. The girl was not happy in her costume. She looked like she was about to lose it completely a full on tantrum. I said, oh, what a beautiful costume. Look at all the precious gems sewn into the fabric. It really suits you. And that did the trick. She was beaming now. We just had to make a few more adjustments and then we could set her and the boy up on the thrones for the parade. Pipe dreams. Dream pipes. Two very different meanings. Pipe dreams are what you have in an opium den. Dream pipes are the channels to other realms where different planes converge. We are in a dream pipe now. Sweet dreams.